So now we're going to hear from the Bible, and Brianna should come and read the Bible for us. Hey guys, my name is Brianna. I'm going to be reading from Acts today, which is on the inside of the booklets. And they went through the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. And when they had come up to Mysia, they attempted to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them. So, passing by Mysia, they went down to Troas, and, and a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia was standing there, urging him and saying, Come over to Macedonia and help us. And when Paul had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go on into Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. As we were going to the place of prayer, we were met by a slave girl who had a spirit of divination um, and brought her owners much gain by fortune-telling. She followed Paul and us, crying out, These men are servants of the Most High God, who proclaim, who proclaim to you the way of salvation. And this she kept doing for many days. Paul, having become greatly annoyed, turned and said to the spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And it came out that very hour. But when her owners saw that their hope of gain was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace before the rulers. And when they had brought them to the magistrates, they said, These men are Jews, and they are disturbing our city. They advocate customs that are not lawful for us Romans to accept or practice. The crowd joined in, attacking them, and the magistrates tore the garments off them and gave orders to beat them with rods. And when they had inflicted many blows upon them, they threw them into prison, ordering the jailer to keep them safely. Having received this order, he put them into the inner prison and fastened their feet in the stocks. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them, and suddenly there was a great earthquake, so that the foundations of the prison were shaken, and immediately all the doors were opened, and everyone's bonds were unfastened. When the jailer woke and saw that the prison doors were open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself, supposing that the prisoners had escaped. But Paul cried with a loud voice, Do not harm yourself for we are all here. And the jailer called for lights and rushed in, and trembling with fear, he fell down before Paul and Silas. Then he brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, Believe in the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved, you and your household. And they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all who were in his house. And he took them the same hour of the night and washed their wounds. And he was baptized at once he and all his family. Then he brought them up into his house and set food before them. And he rejoiced along with his entire household that he had believed in God. said uh, before um, to welcome you to um, Bible Talks today, especially if you haven't been 
uh, with us before or haven't been with us for a while. Uh, my name is Rob and uh, I do have the great privilege of spending some time looking at this part of God's Word with us. If you are regular with us, you'll know that we've been working through this book called Acts, which is the time after Jesus had died and risen and was raised into heaven and how Jesus rules from heaven and extends his rule over all the nations. If you were with us, to bring you up to speed in the last couple of weeks, you remember the question about um, Gentiles, that is non-Jewish people, were becoming believers as the message went to the areas of the Gentiles amongst the nations. And the question was, do these new Gentile believers, which is a really new thing, do they have to become Jewish in order to be Christian? Strange question to us, strange issue for us, but that was the big issue at the time. And we saw last week, as Richard spoke on um, the council in Jerusalem in Acts 15, that they resolved, no, that the Gentiles didn't have to become Jewish, they didn't have to get circumcised, they didn't have to follow the Jewish food laws. Now they were free from that. But there were a couple of things that the council in Jerusalem wanted to write to the people of the nations, the, the believers from amongst the nations, that they should follow. Does anyone remember what they were? If you've got a bit of a memory. Or even what one of those things was. Adam. Don't eat blood. Don't eat blood. Yes. Yep. There's something about serving the Jews in there. Something about, well, by doing these things, uh, that would be helpful for the Jews. Yes, that's right. That's right. Um, there was something about, yeah, not eating blood. Um, yep. Not eating meat from strangled animals. Not eating meat from strangled animals. Um, abstaining from sexual immorality. sexual immorality. And there's another one which has gone out of my head. Idols. Thanks, Cross. Yeah, not um, not uh, eating food that's been offered to idols. Um, those food issues, and not because the eating those particular foods is wrong. Remember back to Peter in Acts chapter nine. Uh, sorry, way back in before that, I've lost my chapters. Uh, where God said nothing is unclean that He's called clean, but it's because of serving the Jews who haven't eaten those sorts of things over many years. Well, here we, we, we've reached um, chapter 16 now. The decision's been reached in Jerusalem, and so Paul is going to take this decision out to the, the churches in the, amongst the nations that he's already visited, and he's decided to go back and visit the churches that he'd already established. And so it's time for a road trip. Uh, chapter 15, verse 36, which you don't have before you, but I'll read to you. After some days, Paul said to Barnabas, let us return and visit the brothers in every city where we proclaim the word of God and see how they are. So it's time to get back on the road uh, with Barnabas and visit all those churches that they've already been to. And so, chapter 16, again, you don't have this one on your sheet. Verse 1, Paul came also to Derby and to Lystra, a dis disciple was there named Timothy. Uh, and down to verse 5. 
So all the churches were strengthened, sorry, verse 4, and as they went on their way through the cities, they delivered to them for observance the decisions that had been reached by the apostles and elders who were in Jerusalem. So the churches were strengthened in the faith and they increased in number daily. Now we've got that familiar phrase from Luke in Acts where you get this increasing in number, increasing in number. And it's almost like a here's a sign from the Lord, at least in Acts, that the word is actually having its effect in people's lives. Okay. What do we have happening here in the rest of chapter 16? Is our heading for the day. The gospel goes to Europe. Yes, that's right. The gospel goes to Europe. Let's have a look at it in some detail. Chapter 16 um, sees Paul strengthening the churches in Lystra and Derby. Uh, and then he sets out on this next missionary journey through Lystra and Derby, visiting places he's been to already, and we're told, in you've got this on your sheet there, that they went through Phrygia and Galatia, uh, and having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia, um, they had come up to Mysia and they attempted to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them, so passing by Mysia, they went down to Troas. Uh, And a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia was standing there, urging him and saying, Come over to Macedonia and help us. And when Paul had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go into Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. Okay, this is where you get a chance to do a little bit of thinking for yourself. And this might be all very new to you. Not really sure uh, what this is all about. But what can you tell from that little bit that we've seen already? Anything significant about how Paul makes decisions uh, and his plans? I'm going to give you a minute. You can chat to the person next to you or a couple of people around about you. You might need to say good day and introduce yourself. Uh, but have a go at answering that, that question. I'll give you a minute. Seems to wait, seems to wait to get the Okay, there's a moment for you. Uh, any thoughts on um, anything you noticed significant? Anyone over here? Uh, it's not like uh, it's not like Paul was like, oh, waking up and like, oh, today I feel like going to Ephesus. It's like you know, it's like very, um, I feel like divinely, like by. Through the Holy Spirit, like saying, "Oh, don't go there, do go there," and like through visions from God. Yeah, so it seems like the Holy Spirit is is guiding them in different ways. It's not just haphazard. Uh, wake up and see what I'll do today. Like many of us might plan our days. Uh, we won't go into that. Um, other things? Did you notice over this side? He doesn't question it, he just immediately obeys. He doesn't question it. No, he doesn't, does he? Doesn't seem to uh, question it. That's right. He just goes for it. Anything else? In the middle? <laughs> oh, sorry, I was just amazed at how deep it is. The middle was stunned <laughs> in the silence. 
Any other thoughts? Anything? Other things you noticed? He concludes that it's from God. <laughs> yeah, he makes a conclusion that it's from God. It's it's a bit hard to know exactly what's happening there, isn't it? We have questions like, well, how did you, how did you know it was the spirit of Jesus not allowing him to go into Bithynia? But then, after seeing a vision, he concluded that it was God. Um, but it doesn't seem like the spirit of Jesus was telling him that this is from God, or it's it's hard. Now, you wouldn't want to try and make your plans for decision making based on just what you see here uh, from Paul, would you? Yeah. I reckon it's implied that he just he spent a while after seeing the vision to discern whether it's from God. That sort of seems like it's sort of implied in that. Well, in verse ten it says, "And when Paul had seen the vision." Immediately we sought to go on to Macedonia, hmm. concluding that yeah. God had called us to preach the gospel. Uh, so there was something about it that was actually quite immediate. They just went, that's from God, okay, let's do it. It's quite interesting. Well, there's Paul and his plans and his planning. Is that what we should be looking for? Is this what we should be following? Is how do you even follow such a thing? And what if you don't get a word from God? Well, we had MYC on it a couple of about a month or two ago, uh, so you can get the talks from that. Uh, but we're going to see where does where does Luke take us in this um, in this text in the rest of uh, uh, chapter sixteen. And I'm going to take a moment to pray as we get more into the guts of chapter sixteen uh, that the Lord might help us to understand His Word. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for uh, your Word to us in Acts. And Lord, we pray that you might help us to understand uh, what you are doing uh, through Paul here and what you'd have us understand. And Lord, we pray that we might be able to respond in understanding your word and putting our trust in it. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay. So the gospel here is going to Europe. And this is a new opportunity it's a new opportunity uh, for the word going out, and it's a new opportunity that brings, well, let's see what it brings. Paulus and Silas and Timothy, most likely Timothy, with them, found a place of prayer uh, when they arrived in the city of Philippi. Probably they went to look at the riverside for a place of prayer, because there was probably no synagogue, it seems, in Philippi. And so that's probably where... If there were any Jewish worshippers, that's where they may have gone. And they do meet this woman, Lydia, a worshipper of God, although not actually a Christian. And they speak the message to her. Paul speaks the message to her. And she receives Paul's message. Because, verse 14, the Lord had opened her heart to pay attention to what was said by Paul and was baptised. Now hear that, because that's not insignificant that it was the Lord who opened her heart, that she might pay attention to what Paul was speaking. There's the whole thing of just paying attention to what's being spoken, as well as God opening her heart to receive it. Not Paul's rhetoric, it's not Paul's great ability to speak. 1 Corinthians 1 and 2, you can read up on Paul's view on that, but it's the Lord opening her heart. 
He does this for many days. That is, he does for many days come back to this place of prayer and keen to meet with anyone who's gathered. But a slave girl who has a spirit by which she could predict the future follows Paul each day. And this spirit declares through this girl that Paul and his friends are, verse 17, these men are servants, it's actually slaves, of the Most High God who proclaim to you the way of salvation. And this she kept doing for many days. Paul, having become greatly annoyed, turned and said to the spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And it came out of her that very hour. Paul acts here because he's troubled by this spirit, and I'd be concerned too if a cult on campus was openly promoting the uni Bible groups activities. I wouldn't guilt by association. I wouldn't like that. And it concerns Paul. Luke doesn't mention Paul's concern for the slave girl, though he may be concerned for her. However, the action Paul takes is consistent with the message that he's been speaking. The message of Jesus as the king. It's the message of salvation in action. Because the kingdom of Jesus, for which Paul is a slave, stands over and against the kingdom of Satan that this girl is enslaved by with this spirit. And she has a particular spirit, and I know how we're not told that she's able to tell the future. And there's a beautiful irony in this slave girl's message. She's telling of her own future, her own immediate future, that these men are telling people how to be saved. And her words are fulfilled. She's saved from this spirit, from the slavery of this spirit. We're not told about where she is in relation to the message, putting her trust in it. But she's freed from the bondage of Satan. And the future telling spirit which enslaved her has gone. And so as this gospel moves into new territory, new Gentile territory, Europe this time, the message of the resurrected and ascended king, Jesus, establishes Jesus' rule, bringing release from those enslaved by the kingdom of Satan. So this new opportunity actually brings new opposition. And what do we notice about this opposition? Point three. Uh, When Paul commands the spirit to leave her, uh, it goes, and her earthly masters, her owners, are angry. Her release is the end of their business. Uh, They may not have understood what it was that she was doing. They may not have understood what... Jesus, uh, what Paul's message about Jesus was. But they did know that their business is now kaput and their way of making money no longer. And they're angry about that. Uh, We don't know what the outcome for the girl is. Uh, Does she become a believer of that message? Does she switch from the kingdom of Satan to the kingdom of Jesus? We're not told. Instead, Luke turns our attention to the marketplace where Paul and Silas are dragged before The magistrates and the rulers and the crowd are gathered there too. And the charge that is brought against them is not maybe what you might expect. It's not a charge that they've harmed this girl in any way. It's not a charge against them that they've dealt a business blow to their business model. It's not 
anything like that. It's a little different, which might suggest that these slave owners um, recognise they're actually might be doing something dodgy. They don't want to bring that accusation against them. Rather, the charge in verse 21 there is uh, they advocate, these men, uh, Paul and Silas, advocate customs that are not lawful for us as Romans to accept or to practice. And so they bring in, as they're recognised as Jewish men, who are promoting something that's not lawful for Romans. And so instead they turn to the charge of, well, they're bringing in xenophobia and trying to whip up the fear of outsiders, the fear of foreigners, so that the crowd might turn against them. Actually, it works quite well. And the case is rather a sham, but it works. And the crowd physically attacks them, and Paul and Silas are in prison. What are you supposed to make of that? Well, we've seen it throughout Acts, and here we see it again, and we see it in our own contexts in different ways. And so we shouldn't be surprised when the gospel message is opposed. And it's not always opposed on the gospel's own terms when people oppose it. People don't always oppose the gospel message because they argue against its truth or they argue against uh, some perceived inconsistency in the gospel message or because there's, because there's, it's something not true about it. It's always, or often, something off to the side that what these Christians are doing is doing this and it's not actually related to the speaking of the gospel. And we shouldn't be surprised when that sort of thing happens because it's been happening from Paul's time onwards. You see it when the changes that the gospel brings brings resentment from people. These slave owners of this world resented the change of life that the gospel message brought to her uh, or the kingdom of Jesus brought to her. And we shouldn't be surprised when people resent the changes that the gospel message brings to us. I know of families, many families, that resent that their children are no longer following the course of life that they once took to stay in their lucrative degree, to stay in their wealth-making career, to do something like going and speaking the gospel in other parts of the world where they don't know the gospel. And there's resentment because of that. And you may have felt that in your own life, in your own home, uh, if you have parents or family or significant friends who perhaps resent, is the word, perhaps that too strong, but they just don't resonate with the choices that you're making in your life because of the gospel. Now, that's nothing to get worried about. It causes concern, but it's the way it's always been. Because the kingdom of Jesus is always butting up against the kingdom of this world and indeed the kingdom of Satan. And we just need to expect it. But while the opportunity for the message leads to opposition, 
opposition to the message often brings new opportunity, which is what we see here. Point four. Paul and Silas, in verse 25, are in jail. And about midnight, uh, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And the prisoners were listening to them. Now, again, I don't think that's a word, if you do find yourself in jail, that you should you know, stay up till midnight singing songs and praying. Maybe uh, go for it, give it a shot. Uh, I, I can't help but think that's unloving to all the other prisoners around about. I'm not sure what they were singing. I hope they could sing in tune. Uh, but nonetheless, they were singing. Maybe it was um, something like, and can it be, where something with you know, 12 verses, uh, and they kept going and going. But all the prisoners were listening. Everybody could hear them. And they're interrupted by an earthquake. Suddenly, there was a great earthquake, so the foundations of the prison were shaken, and immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's bonds were unfastened. When the jailer woke and saw the prison doors were opened, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself, supposing that the prisoners had escaped. Well, they hadn't escaped into the darkness, and he didn't need to kill himself, because that was what was going to happen to him if they did escape. That was basically what happened to you as a jailer uh, if you didn't do your job. But Paul cries out, don't harm yourself, we are all here. We are all here. Now, we'll come back to a moment and see what happened to the jailer. But here you can even see from Paul what you can do when there is opposition. Because I can imagine that Paul, or anyone in his situation who's put in jail because of the message, might be rather disheartened, might be rather disappointed, uh, might be feeling like, I made the wrong plans, I made the wrong decisions and choices to come here to Philippi. Maybe we should have tried to go to... Asia and Bithynia. You may be feeling or tempted to feel about the injustice that is being suffered. I know that I'd be in self-preservation mode. How do I get out of here? What do, who do I need to call? Uh, who, how do I get what's going to happen tomorrow? What do we need to do? And they'd be all legitimate things. And maybe Paul thought all of those things. But Luke focuses in on the fact that they're praying to God and singing his praises. They sing songs about, to and about God, and the prisoners listening. They took the opportunity that was created by the opposition to still bring attention to God. When there's opposition, look for an opportunity for the message. Because ultimately, it's God who's in control all of the time. And we need to be reminded of that. So in 2 Timothy 4, and you can write it down and look at it later, 2 Timothy 4 verse 1, Paul says, 2 Timothy, I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is judge, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing and his kingdom, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. That is, there's no one season which is gospel speaking season. There's no in season and out of season for speaking of Jesus. Or at least if it feels like it's out of season, we're still in the right time to speak the word. Also, in 2 Timothy 2 verse 8, Paul says, 
2 Timothy again. Remember Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, the offspring of David as preached in my gospel, for which I am suffering, bound with chains as a criminal. But the word of God is not bound. Paul's from his experience, knows that he might be chained up, but God's word is not chained. It's not bound up. And have confidence in the word of God, whatever the situation may be. I don't know about you, but I always feel as though it's never quite the right time to speak about Jesus. There's always something that's not just quite right, is there? Just, just tweak the conditions a little bit more, or a different time. It's a much better time than whatever's happening at the moment. Uh, if that's the thing for you, if that's the situation with you, then plan and work it out beforehand. That whatever the situation is, however I might feel, however discomforting it might be, it's the right time. Because God's in control. And Jesus is always king. You might find yourself in situations in life where there's great injustice that's been done to you. You might find yourself in situations of great discomfort where all you can think of is getting out of that situation. Whatever difficulties come, realise now beforehand that getting out of it making things better is not the only option that you have in fact it may not even be the best option using the situation to testify to God's goodness can be a great witness to God in fact difficult situations in life are possibly the best situations in which to speak about God and his goodness, and his salvation in Jesus. If in your worst moments people can see you in, in as in uh, difficult situations that you are in, and they can see that you actually hold on to this message that you've been speaking about, you trust in this God that you've been speaking about, in this difficult situation, speaks louder or amplifies more loudly the very message that you've been holding on to. I mean, anybody can believe when times are easy, you know, when you've got everything going your way, there's nothing going wrong in life. I mean, I don't believe in anything in that case. But when times are difficult, when the situation is difficult because of the message you hold on to, well, that's a great testimony to God's goodness and God's sovereignty. But you need to plan beforehand what's important and what you need to do. Notice again, as we've been seeing through all of Acts, God's sovereign control is sovereign in all situations. His divine intervention in, this, in these situations in this chapter uh, are beautiful and poetic. This message that these guys are carrying brings salvation, freedom, release... And you can see it through the way what Luke reports, where the, where the chains are released, the prison doors fly open. They are able to be free. The slave girl is freed from her slavery by these slaves of God with the message of freedom. Paul made his plans and decisions as God's slave, but God was working his life freeing plans, his plans of salvation through this message. Throughout this chapter, 
you can see God's strategy. But it's not a strategy which involves us trying to work out where should we go today? Or what's God telling me to do today? Or what's the spirit, where's the Spirit leading me and guiding me? Though those things may happen at different times. But what is the thing that is consistent throughout all that happens? Is God's plan, God's strategy, to speak through his word. I don't know if you notice the refrain that's uh, running through the whole passage. This message of freedom and life uh, comes to Lydia, where the Lord opened her heart to hear Paul's message. The slave girl has, hears the message of freedom that chases out the realm of Satan. The jailer, who trembles in fear, realises he needed saving, and Paul speaks the word to him. God plans to bring people under the reign of Jesus through speaking the message to people. You can't shortcut that with strategy. Uh, you can't come up with clever programs to do it differently. Ultimately, people need to come face to face with God through the message of the gospel. And here in Acts is the message of salvation and release and freedom. How are you part of that plan? How are you and I, you and I part of that plan? Well, like Paul and Silas and Timothy and all the way through Acts, it's bringing people the message of the gospel, the message of the King, Jesus, who's been raised to life and reigns now. I'm going to lead us in prayer uh, to have that as our plan and our priority. Let's pray. Father, thanks for what you show us in uh, Acts 16 in Paul's ministry as he speaks your word into the lives of uh, these people in Philippi. Lord, we pray that we might be uh, convicted to hear you, hear you speak, to hear your word and make it the priority in our lives. We pray that we might respond in faith to it we pray that we might speak it to others around us. And Lord, we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Now, Sam's going to continue in prayer for us. Uh, my name's Sam. I'm a first-year uh, uh, communication and media student, uh, and I have the privilege of praying on our behalf. Uh, praying is simply talking to our God. Uh, so please bow your heads and pray with me. Dear God, uh, we thank you that we can freely meet at university to hear your word to us. Uh, we pray that the relationships formed here uh, would grow through the upcoming dinners for eight. Uh, we pray that, that we would uh, also be able to use that time to really encourage and support one another for life at university. We pray for Spark, the regional training conference, uh, that there will be great fellowship, truthful teaching and useful training for Christian university students gathering across the Pacific, South Pacific region. We also pray for the safe travels for the Uni Bible Group people that will be attending this as well. Uh, we want to thank you, God, for bringing people who don't know you, uh, don't know you, uh, who don't know Jesus, to the Introducing Christianity course uh, that is being run currently. Uh, we pray that uh, through this course, those people will get to come to know you uh, through your gospel. Uh, and ultimately, Lord, we thank you uh, that you're a God who is in control of all things, uh, that you're a relational God that we can talk to through prayer. In all these things, we pray. Amen. Amen.